how to ask for what you want. Have you ever found yourself in an awkward situation where you really wanted something but were too scared to ask? This is something that I personally struggle with and Jack Canfield, yes, the Jack Canfield is going to not only teach us the five steps that you can take in order to ask with confidence and not awkwardness, but he's also actually going to work with me on a very specific issue that I have that might just be your struggle as well. So make sure that you stay until the end of this episode. grateful for all the advice that you've given me and our audience in the past episodes and today I wanted to talk about something that I personally actually still to this day struggle with and you've apparently written a book about it that I haven't read all of your books and I wanted to really just 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 get your thoughts on this and maybe you could even work on me <laughs> uh, to okay. see how we can get there and it's about how to ask for what you want and I feel like it actually goes back to your, your vision of your self-worth. I think they probably are connected. I'm not sure if they are. So, uh, I mean, can you just take it from here and, and tell us some of the steps? And then maybe if I have questions, I'll just throw them out there. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I did write a book years ago called The Aladdin Factor, How to Ask For and Get What You Want in Life. And in my new book, The Success Principles Workbook, I have a whole section on asking and how to ask, who to ask, when to ask, et cetera. There you go. Fan of white. I like it. This is good. <laughs> um, so anyway, what happens is the main thing that stops people from asking is the fear of rejection. So let's start with that. Most people are afraid someone's going to say no. So the thing I want you to realize is that no doesn't mean anything. In other words, I call it the myth of rejection. If I asked you to have dinner with me and you said no, the truth is I didn't have anyone to dinner eat dinner with before I asked you. I don't have anyone to eat dinner with after I asked you. My life didn't get worse. If I apply to Harvard and I don't get in, I spent my whole life not going to Harvard, I can handle that, right? So the idea is that you've got to be willing to realize that asking is simply a, a multi-step process. Chicken soup for the soul. We asked 144 publishers to publish that book. 144 publishers said no. The 145th one said yes. Charles Schultz, who started Starbucks, 217 banks told him, no, we're not going to give you money before he got enough money to open his first Starbucks store. Now, if he'd given up after 200 and I'd given up after 100 rejections, none of us would know Starbucks. Nobody would know Chicken Soup for the Soul. So the first thing is to know it's a numbers game. You rarely get a yes from anybody the first time. You can go back to people. Think about children. Children ask their mom, can I have a cookie? No. Mom, can I please have a cookie? No. Come on, mom, I'm, I'm dying. I'm going to die of blood sugar, you know, low blood sugar. <laughs> no, you can't have a cookie. It'll spoil your appetite. I promise I'll eat everything, mom. Come on, please. No, I'm not going to tell you one more time. Oh, mom, please, come on. I promise. All oh, right, have one darn cookie, right? So, you know, literally, there's a chapter in a book you wrote called Ask Like a Kid. Ask, 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 ask. Uh, I say in one of my books, you have to become an asshole. You have to be willing to ask, ask, ask. And so many people are afraid to do that. So if you realize no simply means not yet, that really is a valuable thing. In my live seminars, I do this exercise called the nine no's, where I have everybody stand up. And this is in the book, not the exercise itself, but the, the principle of 
and then there's a worksheet for it. Think of things you want. We've already, in the workbook, we've figured out what do we want, what are the goals, visualize, affirm, all that, ask. Now, asking, what could I ask for? You said that you wanted to a certain income by a certain date. Ask yourself the question, who could I ask for something that could help me get that? It might be asking someone to do an affiliate mailing for you. It might be asking someone to write the forward to your book. It might be asking someone that you're kind of afraid to ask to be on your podcast. Whatever it is, there's something in there that you know would take you forward. So then I say, I want you to go around and you're gonna ask everyone in the group, go up to where milling around, ask them, would you be willing to be on my podcast? And they're gonna say no. And they're gonna ask you for something and you're gonna say no. And what you're counting is nine no's. You're gonna give away nine no's to different people. And another person comes up, will you babysit my child while I can write my book on a weekend? No. We, then someone else comes up, will you let me use your house in the Bahamas? No. Now we're all giving away nine no's. And what happens on the 10th person that asks you for something, you say yes. And you would think that people had earned $100,000 but they jump up and down, they're screaming, they're happy. And at the end of all that, we ask people, what did you learn in this exercise? And they always say, it's just a numbers game. I realized it wasn't personal. They didn't have a yes to give. They didn't have 100,000. They didn't have a free night to babysit, whatever. And nobody took it personally. And I, I, I didn't have anything. And I, I learned I can say no. If you can't say no, you're going to be overwhelmed in life. And if you don't ask for what you want, you're also going to be a loner most of your life. You're going to be overwhelmed as well. So one of the exercises in the book is what do you need to ask for that would help you get to where you want to go? What are you telling yourself to stop yourself from asking? What are you afraid will happen? What would be the benefit of asking? What's the cost of not asking? Is the benefit outweigh the cost? Who should you ask? When will you ask them by? Now, if you have an accountability partner, which we built into the book, you're my accountability partner. Every, every day, I'm gonna to talk to you for five minutes in the morning and say, what five things are you gonna to do today to forward your goal toward having this income you want in one year? And you're gonna say, I'm gonna call up Joe Dispenza and ask him to be on my show. And I say, great. And then tomorrow I'm gonna to say, did you call Joe Dispenza? And you're not gonna to wanna to have to say no. And after three days of saying no, it gets so uncomfortable, you just do it, you know? Right. And then Joe says, sure, I'd be glad to. Or he says, no, I don't, have, I don't do that anymore. Whatever it is, and you survive. Nothing bad happened. And what I find, I, I just watched an interview with uh, Steve Jobs, did it many, many years ago, when he was still alive, of course. And he said, Everyone I ever called up and asked for something said yes. I never got one no. And I thought people wouldn't say yes to this. They wouldn't, but I asked them anyway. Can I use your garage? Will you teach me this? Will you lend me your computer? Will you show me how to do so-and-so? Always got a yes. He said, we're all, got, we're all walking around with this no in our head, and we're afraid to ask. I was uh, doing a talk for a solar optical company. They make 50% of all the eyeglass lenses in the world. So they have 50% of the eyeglass lens market. And I got there early and I said to the group, um, do you know who the top four people are in the company for sales? Yes, everyone knew the same names, they all yelled them out. Now they weren't doing 20% more sales, they were doing 400%, 500%. And I said, how many of you have ever gone up to them and said, can you teach me what you're doing? Cause you're outperforming everyone in the company. Not one hand went up. I said, why not? They said, well, they might say no. I said, well, you already have a no. You, you know, you, you, you're gonna leave this conference with a no. Ask them. And I asked the president of the company who was sitting in the front, I said, have you ever asked these 400% higher performers to come up and teach people what they know? They're, they're your top performers. They can teach other people. No, never thought of it. I thought I had to bring in outside experts. No, you don't, you know? So first is ask, 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 ask. The second thing is you want to ask in a way 
that lets people know why you're asking. I'll give you an example. Guinness Book World Record girl who sold most Girl Scout cookies in one year. 3,000, I think it was 285 boxes in one year. Most Girl Scouts who think they're really good sell 300 boxes. Her name was, um, I don't think I can remember her name right now, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, she wrote a book called How to Sell More Cookies, Condos, Cadillacs, and Computers <laughs> when she was 11. And she was a keynote speaker. Uh, Marquita Andrews is her name. She was a little Puerto Rican uh, girl in New York when, at the time. And so here's how most Girl Scout cookies get sold. They knock on your door. Hi, we're having our annual cookie drive. Would you like to buy some cookies? Uh, not really, but I'll buy one because I'm a nice guy. You know, so you buy a box of cookies. Here's Marquita Andrews. Hi, as you can see by my uniform, I'm a Girl Scout. And the Girl Scouts have a contest this year. And the girl who sells most cookies wins a trip for two around the world. My mom so much wants to go around the world, and I want to give her that gift. There's two reasons. Number one, she's a waitress. She doesn't make that much money, and I want to go to college. And if, I, if she goes around the world, I'm not going to have a college fund. And I really want to give her this trip around the world so she'll invest in my college career. And you could help me out by buying some Girl Scout cookies to help me reach my dream. How many would you like to buy? People go, can help. <laughs> because she enrolled them in her vision. So let people know why it is you're asking them for what you're asking them for and how that's going to help you and maybe how it's even going to help them. And then if they say no, there's a follow-up question. What would have to happen for you to say yes? What would have to happen for you to say yes? And they might say, I'd need more information. I'd need to talk to my husband or whatever. Just to give you an example how powerful that question is, chicken soup for the soul. We're getting rejected by all these publishers. So somewhere around the 50th person I said to the person out of the blue, I just said, well, what would have to happen for you to say yes? And he said, we'd need to know that we could sell 20,000 copies of the book. That way we'd recover our investment in the editing, the publishing, the warehousing, all that. Right. So the next several months, Mark Victor Hansen, my co-author and I, every time we did a talk, we put a sheet of paper on every chair, sometimes 50 people, sometimes 1,000 people if we're talking to a big convention. And it said, I, fill in your name, promise to buy blank number of copies of Chicken Soup to Soul when it's published. People put their name and their address. This was before emails, 1993. Oh, yeah. And or at least before emails were popular. And uh, once we collected enough signatures and orders for 20,000 books, it was a banker's box full of these things. You know, what's that, like 20 reams of paper or something? We took, it down, to, <laughs> we took it down to the guy who said yes, and he said, okay, I'll publish the book. Now, when the book came out, we simply stapled an order form to the promise they made, put it in an envelope to their address, and we sold 20,000 copies the first couple of weeks. But we asked that question. If we hadn't asked the question, we would never got an eventual yes. So I heard, um, so I had a bunch of epiphanies as you were talking, but I did also have one question, right? Sure, I, I think it's actually two. So. Yes, it's about asking and it's a numbers game. So the fear I feel like I have, and my specific problem actually right now, I realize the one that I, the one thing that I'm kind of thinking, should I ask them this much? And, and everyone, like all of my coaches tell me that I'm actually pricing myself too low. Yes. For the experience that I have. But I'm not only fearful of charging my clients that amount, I'm actually feeling... I, even the price that people are telling me it's too low, I feel like it's too high. And I know that it's like my relationship with money. Um, 
even though I pay a lot more for coaches, which is weird. Like I've started getting into that uh, habit of paying a ton for coaches because I see the value. So I'm like, okay, so why don't still think that people should be paying me that much more, even though I am providing a ton of value and I have all these testimonials, but I still don't see it. I still to this day, it's been eight years I've been in business and right now with the coronavirus and I made a video about it too, it was like, should I just give it away for free? And then I was like, oh, well, then I have to fire my people who are working with me. That's not going to make sense. So that's why I didn't start making it, giving it for free. Um, I don't know. I feel like that goes back to me, the fear of judgment, maybe. I don't know what it is, really. I haven't been able to put my point on it. Let me ask you a couple questions. What, what, what is your normal fee that you charge people for either coaching, a program, whatever it may be? So let's say my power course, which is $997, and it's literally five courses in one. Normally, people charge $25,000 for right. that. Okay, so I was looking at your website earlier today to see who I was going to be talking to, and I saw you had someone that made $35,000 in one year, right? Yeah. So that's a, I don't know, that's a 3,500 increase in value for, you know, roughly a $1,000 investment. So if I told you I would sell you a Mercedes-Benz for $2,000, would you buy it? Yeah. Brand new Mercedes-Benz. Yes. Why? Why would you buy it for $2,000? Well, because I think it's a great deal. Yeah, it's worth more than $2,000, right? Yeah. So if you have all these testimonials of people that are succeeding because of what you do, then your course is worth that. And you said something when we went into this call, that the more people invest in something, the more committed they are to actually doing it. That was, those were your words. So basically, you are basically qualifying people that are going to be committed to actually do the work and you want those people to do the work because then they're going to succeed and as people succeed they tell other people about you so in a sense you're kicking yourself in the foot for fear of losing business or this was my big thing because I can relate when I started my career I started as an educator and I was I was charging $300 a day to do an in-service for teachers and that was way back in the 1970s and I had a friend, I was calling him up and I said, his name was Hanukh McCarty. I said, Hanukh, how much do you charge when you do a, a school in, in service training? He said, uh, $800. I almost choked. I went, $800? How do you get $800 from a school? He said, I asked for it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's humorous when you think about it, right? So I thought, I'm as smart as him. I went to graduate school with him. I'm as smart as him. I thought I was a better teacher than him. So I thought, I'm worth $800. So I practice in the mirror. What's your fee? $800. What's your fee? $800. I must have done that a hundred times. I got a call from a mental health consortium in Iowa. I was living in Chicago at the time. They said, what's your fee? And I went, $600. I checked it out. And they said, no sweat. And I said, what would have been sweat? And he said, we had $1,200 in the budget for the speaker. Now, the next person that called me, they said, what's your fee? I said, $1,200. Why not? He said, we only have 900. I said, I'll take it. Now, I tripled my fee simply through one phone call and a little bit of practicing, but I still chickened out. I know my fear was that I was afraid people would see that I didn't care about kids. I was only kind of some kind of, you know, greedy capitalist, right. and, you know, whatever. But in my heart, I know I'm not that person. I don't believe you're that person either. You're in the service. You want to make a difference. You care. That's why you care what people think about you. So. For me, the work is really more about your self-image than it is about 
your beliefs about money, your value and all that. So what you might want to do is do some subconscious belief work. You can use an affirmation, you know, do that. But I would say work with someone that's either doing tapping on this belief, because you can disappear a belief, this belief that I'm not worth it, or this belief that people will reject me or judge me or whatever it might be, and then release that. And then here's the thing. Tony Robbins has a great quote. It says, if you can't, you must. The thing you're most afraid of doing is the very thing that's going to be most liberating for you. And self-confidence is the result of surviving a risk. So if you go and do this and ask for what you want and you survive it, either they'll say no, how could you, or more likely they'll say fine, or they'll say, you know, it's the middle of this, can you cut me a break? Whatever they say, people are not going to sit there and go, you rich bitch, I can't believe you're going to do this to people. You know, that's not going to happen. That's the big fear. But what will happen is you'll survive it. I had a friend, he was a psychiatrist, and he told another friend who was a psychiatrist, he said, do you think we're charging enough? He said, I have no idea. How would we know? He said, let's do this. Every month, let's raise our fee per hour by $50. And they were charging $150 an hour. They raised it to $200. Nobody complained. Raised it to $250. Next month, nobody complained. Raised it to $300. Nobody complained. Raised it to $350. Someone said, don't you think that's getting a little steep? And that's when they stopped. So you never know until you test it. You know, if you right. were doing internet marketing, you test your leads, you test your offers. So test your requests on your fee. So I'm, I'm going to actually prolong this. So I feel maybe the reason why this has happened is because commenting on YouTube is, or on social media is very easy for people to do. And I do get a lot of comments that, as I'm sure like every other person who put themselves out there, Sure. I get a lot of good comments and I also get comments that feed into my own fear. Um, and yeah, so people who are not in my course who just watch something on YouTube, uh, sometimes I do get, get hate. Like even yesterday, like I posted something with my daughter on LinkedIn that are like, go to Facebook. I'm like, well, this is my life and my daughter really, I'm working with my daughter. We're in quarantine. So the guy was like yelling at me for holding my daughter while, while working. Um, so I, I feel do you, like, do you really care what he thinks? So here's the thing I do so bad. And why? I have to work with that. I don't well, know. Why, why do you care what some guy who has no compassion, no understanding is probably a misogynistic pig. Why do you care what he thinks about you? I don't know. I'm a people's pleaser. I don't know. <laughs> More than likely. That's why I think you need to tap that away or work on some childhood wound or whatever it is. And here's the deal. The fact is you cannot please everybody. Yeah. And, and what's really true is that you're looking for some of your feel good from outside approval. So when they get the positive comment, you're reading the positive comments because you yeah. like them and it makes you feel good. So now you're addicted to that. And then when someone says something negative, that destroys the whole thing. The thing that you have to do ultimately, and it's not something you'll do overnight. Someone said success is a marathon, it's not a sprint. So this is why inner work takes time. But if you can do the kind of meditations we talked about, the Dawson Church Echo Meditation online, what happens is you'll get into a space where your essence can never be destroyed by anything or anybody. It's only the ego that you project that you're worried about how you look, how you come across to people. And the truth is you really care about people and you want to serve them. And if you do that, you're not going to serve everybody. Nobody's going to love you. Look at this. 
Donald Trump has a 47% approval rate as we do this. 53% think he's the worst guy in the world. 47% think he's great. If Donald Trump cared, he, you know, I'm not a big Donald Trump fan, so I don't want anyone to misinterpret this. But the point is, you have to go to a place where you're going to do what you do because you have to do it. The sun, imagine the sun sitting up in the sky and someone says it's too sunny today. The sun goes into a depression and doesn't shine for the next month or worries about shining too much because someone in Brazil is going to get a suntan or, you know, or sunburn. The sun shines because that's the essence of the sun. You are a shiny, enthusiastic, beautiful, wonderful person. So just do what you do because you love to do it. And there's going to be people that are detractors. There's going to be people that say negative things. And on the anonymity of the internet, people get away with all kinds of crap they'd never say in person. So don't let, you know, like they say on Broadway, never read your reviews. Just do it because you love to act. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I am going to get into the meditation habit. I guess that's my next thing to do during the quarantine. Thank you so much, Jack, for being on the show. This was just so valuable, specifically for me. I'm very glad that I got a free consultation out of you. But um, okay. <laughs> uh, you guys watching at home, you this has been three awesome episodes. If you haven't watched the previous ones, definitely click on the links. I'm going to add them. Um, to the description area of this video and if you're uh, listening on podcasts and the podcast too if you haven't got your copy of the success principles workbook do it right now it really is just super essential to have a guideline and a roadmap if you really are adamant into reaching your goals and reaching and living the life that you love um, share this video with anybody who you love and who could benefit from this like and subscribe to the channel. I'll see you again in the next episode of the Investment Movement. Thank you so much, Jack, again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So one tradition before I let you go, I ask all of my guests to make a silly face at the end of it. Let me <laughs> okay, you ready? Here we go. <laughs> okay, that was a professional silly face. <laughs> <laughs>